You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today we are wrapping up the series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Freedom. And if you're a first-time guest, what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about this idea that we all have some area of our lives where we need to experience freedom. It may be freedom from uncontrollable anger. It may be freedom from the hurts of the past. It may be freedom from lies that are just crippling us from moving forward in life. Every one of us has some area of our lives where we need to experience freedom. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe there is freedom in Jesus. That's what we've been talking about in this series every, every week. What I want to do to, in today's message is I want to help you take everything that we've learned the past few weeks, the spiritual tools that we've given you, the principles that we've learned from God's Word, and I want to help you put it into action so that we can actually live free. We can walk in freedom. Now, speaking of living in freedom, I recently read an interesting article about a man named Frank De Palma, who uh, he actually spent 42 years in a state prison in Nevada. 22 of those years he spent in solitary confinement. What happened is he had an altercation where he assaulted a guard and they placed him in solitary confinement for the rest of his prison sentence. In the last five years of his time in prison, he never left his cell once, never left this little tiny like solitary confinement jail cell. And so he was released a few years ago, and uh, what he discovered once he got out into, the, into you know, freedom is that he had developed agoraphobia, the fear of open spaces. He was so used to being confined in this cell. And so like, he was in public, and he had to like, close his eyes because he just got overwhelmed by open spaces and began to have a panic attack. There was one story that he told where he was in Walmart, you know, and he <laughs> just looked at the aisles. If you've ever been in like, a super Walmart, it's big. And he got overwhelmed, and he literally had to go hide in the bathroom stall for a few hours before he could work up the courage to leave that Walmart. Here's the idea. He was so used to being in this little tiny jail cell that he forgot how to live free. He was so used to being locked up, he forgot how to live free. He he was set free, but he didn't know how to live free. And I think, sadly, the same thing is true for so many Christians. The reality is that we've been set free by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Like, there's nothing more that Jesus needs to do, but we have to learn how to live in that freedom. I think sometimes we're so used to, like, our brokenness and the sinful patterns of thinking and sinful ways of relating to other people and the pain that we've been stuffing for so long that, that even though we're free in Christ, we're not fully living free. And so I want to help you in today's message. I want us to kind of take everything we've learned and put it into practice so that we can live free. See, it's possible to be free, but not live like it. You have to know that it's possible to be free, but not live like it. What a shame it would be for us to not live in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. What we've learned the past few weeks, John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. We're set free from the pain of the past. We're set free from the lies of the enemy. We're set free from fear that would hinder us, but we want to continue to walk in that freedom. It's a tragedy that so many Christians settle for something so far less than what God has in mind for them, that they settle for living for not living in freedom. They settle for not living into all that God has called them to be. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote about this in Galatians chapter five, verse one. Here's what he wrote to the Galatian Christians. He said, it is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, in this immediate context, Paul is talking about being burdened by uh, slavery to the Old Testament law, the laws that were, were fulfilled in the life and the work of Jesus Christ. But there's a wider application here for each of us. And, and here's the idea. Paul's saying, like, Jesus set you free so that you could live in that freedom. It's not a, just a philosophical idea. It's not just something you believed once. No, here's the idea. Freedom in Christ is fully realized when we live in it. I know that sounds like kind of a no-brainer, but Paul's reminding us, right? Like, this isn't just, just a good sermon we heard once. This isn't like we prayed a prayer one time and we believe that, that we can be free. Like, Freedom is fully realized when we begin to learn how to live in it, when it shapes our identity, when it shapes our decisions, our relationships, the way we relate to others, the way we see ourselves. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But how many of you know we have to cooperate with that freedom? We have to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to cooperate with the grace of God in our lives on a daily basis, or we can end up going right back to the things that rob us of our freedom. We can end up seeking out our identity outside of who we are in Christ. We can end up uh, acting out of undealt with pain that we've been kind of stuffing and repressing. We can end up holding on to grudges rather than forgiving. We, we can end up being dominated by fear. We can end up believing the lies of the enemy. But here's what Paul says. Look at this again. He says, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, what does this mean, a yoke of slavery? Well, a yoke in ancient times was a wooden bar that would be placed across the necks of farm animals like a pair of oxen so that they could pull together, okay? So Paul has given us a word picture here. Paul says, don't voluntarily hitch yourself, connect yourself to anything that's gonna cause you to lose your freedom, to be burdened again and to lose your freedom, the things that pull you in the wrong direction. Don't connect yourself to that. Don't be connected to anything that could cause you to become burdened down, to drift in the wrong direction and lose your freedom in Christ. Don't, don't go back to looking for your identity in your performance, in, in your achievements and how much money you make or what other people think about you. Lean into your identity in Jesus Christ. Come on, don't keep stuffing the pain that, that you're feeling deep down on the inside. You, you got to deal with it. You got to face it and invite God to heal you in that place. Invite him into that space. Don't, don't hold on to the, the offenses and the grudges. You got to forgive and release those relational debts that we incur. Come on, how many of you know when this series wraps up, when we're done with all that we've learned, people are still going to offend us. People are still going to hurt us. We are going to have unmet expectations in our lives and we're gonna do it to other people whether we mean to or not. And so we've got to learn how to use the, these tools. Don't let fear paralyze you, but put into place what we learned a few weeks ago. Face your fears. Invite God into it. Invite God into the midst of it. He'll be with you. Don't give into the lies of the enemy. Learn to recognize his lies and replace it with the truth of God's word. See, instead of staying connected to, to things that lead us to really living like slaves, let's intentionally stay connected to the things that, that, that God uses in our lives that can bring us to a place of freedom. Come on, let's play some offense, not just defense. You know, I'm coaching a little bit of basketball right now. I coach my son Michael's fifth grade team. So when I'm done preaching to you on Sundays, pretty soon I'm gonna be yelling at fifth grade kids on Sundays on the basketball court, you know? And one of the, one of the things that I've learned over time is sometimes the best defense is a good offense. Like sometimes you gotta take it to the other team. You know what I'm saying? 
And so here's the reality. We end up kind of playing defense against our temptations and slipping back into our old patterns. But every now and then you got to play some offense. You got to get engaged. You can't be passive and you got to get connected to the things that God has given you to help you walk and live in freedom. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to help you get connected to the right things. I want this to be a message that you can go back and watch. You can go back and listen to that'll kind of help you take everything that we've learned these past six weeks in this freedom series and be able to put it into practice. So three things to stay connected to that will help you live in freedom. Anybody want to live in freedom? We don't want to just be inspired by a series. We don't want to just say, what a great time we had in church, but we want to actually live in freedom. Let me give you three things you can put in your notes today, three Ps that won't be hard to remember. Number one, stay connected to God's presence. Stay connected to God's presence. Everybody say presence. Stay connected to God's presence. See, we all have things that we naturally uh, tend to turn to to cope with the pain and, and the stress and the hurts and the, and the lies and the fears. And there are some things that are unhealthy, you know, and I can begin to name a long list of things, but I think most of us are pretty aware of the things that we kind of naturally drift toward that aren't good for us. Anything coming to mind? And then there are some healthy things. Maybe you have some good habits. Maybe you have some good hobbies or exercise. There's some good things that you turn to. Can I give you something to put at the top of your list? Can I encourage you to learn to make the presence of God the number one thing that you turn to? when those things begin to creep up in your life that tend to rob you of your freedom. See, we got to get aware, right? Part of what we're doing in this series is we're becoming self-aware to the things that trigger us. Hopefully you're gaining some self-awareness, some insight into your, into your own life these past few weeks. Well, here's the reality. When we recognize those things that tend to come into our lives and rob us of our freedom or take us down the path of losing our freedom, we have got to learn that is the time when we want run to the presence of God that we stay connected to the presence of God. Let me show you some scriptures. James chapter four, verse eight, the apostle James said this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You feeling like God is a little bit distant these days? Well, have you done the first part? Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. The apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now let's put those two verses together, okay? When we draw near to God in worship, James tells us he draws near to us, right? And then the apostle Paul says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You don't have to be a great Bible scholar or theologian to put those two ideas together today, right? When we pursue God's presence, we experience his freedom, when we pursue God's presence, when we prioritize being in the presence of God, that can lead to us walking and living and breathing and thinking in freedom. Come on, how many of you have ever had a time in worship, a moment in worship, maybe on a Sunday morning, you were singing, you were lifting your hands, opening your heart, that you just kind of felt a breakthrough moment in worship, like burdens were just lifted, like a weight was lifted off your chest. Ever had a moment like that? Or like just the calming presence of God just came over your heart, right? Or you felt like your mind began to be renewed or, or you just experienced kind of a healing in, in your heart. Have you had a moment like that? Let me tell you, it's not just because the worship team was really good, although thank God, amen for the worship team, amen? Come on, let's give our worship team a hand. We appreciate them. They're awesome. But it's not just because the music was inspirational. Here's the idea. Worship works because it gets you into the presence of God. Worship works because when you're in the presence of God, you, you, you take your eyes off of the temptations. You take your eyes off of your failures. You, you, you take your eyes off of that distraction that the enemy has placed in front of you and you get your eyes on God, our good God. It, it works because, because you get, when you're in the presence of God, you get tuned into his voice above the voice of your own self-doubt. 
above the, the lies of the enemy, above the temptations that come into your life. When, when you get into the presence of God, his comfort can come over you. His peace that passes all understanding can come over your life. You know why that is? It's because he's your creator. Come on, he's the one who wrote the owner's manual. He knows how to fix you when you can't even figure out what's wrong with you. He knows how to fix you when you can't fix yourself because there are times when we're feeling something, we don't even have the words to describe it. There are times when there's something going on in our thinking, in our feeling, and we haven't even figured out what it is yet. We know something's off, but guess what? When you get into the presence of God, He is your creator, and He knows how to fix what you can't even name, what you can't even figure out. That's what happens when we get into the presence of God. And so worship is a gateway experience to freedom. Worship and getting in God's presence, it's a, it's a gateway experience to, to freedom. It's hard for lies and fear and addiction and depression to hit a worshiping target. Let's put it that way. I'm not saying that, that when we worship, all of our problems are going to go away. I'm not saying that we're not going to wrestle with some things in life. We, listen, we live in this fallen world. We are human beings with a sinful nature. We're being redeemed and, and renewed. But here's the reality. The enemy is trying to hit you. You are a target every day. But when you're worshiping, you're a moving target. And it's a lot harder for him to hit you when he's aiming at you. Are you with me? And Acts chapter 16 is a really great story that, that illustrates this. The apostle Paul and his assistant Silas, um, they're actually in the city of Philippi, which is where we get the New Testament book of Philippians. And they get, they're getting persecuted. They get arrested. They get beaten. They get thrown into jail, okay? And so things aren't going so great. And there they are sitting in jail. And, you know, if that would have been you or me, we probably would have been sitting around complaining. I know I would have been like, now, God, here I am, you know. I went and preached your word. I did what you called me to do. And what did it, what did it get me? It got me beat up and thrown in jail. Come on, let's be honest. That's what we would have done. That's not what Paul and Silas do. Paul and Silas begin to worship. The scripture says they begin to sing hymns. Now get this, God hasn't done anything for them just yet. They're just worshiping for who he is, not for what he's done, okay? There's a sermon in there for another time. But they begin to worship. And the scripture says about midnight, the prison was shaken and the doors flung open and they were set free. Talk about a visual image, right, of how worship can, can, can set us free. Talk about how there's a breakthrough moment that can come only in worship. Sometimes the key that unlocks your freedom is the sound of your praise. That's what happens. Worship can shift the atmosphere in your life. One moment in worship can change everything. One moment in worship can change your life. One moment in the presence of God. I've experienced that. I can look back at times in my life where one moment in God's presence Heal my heart. One moment in God's presence renewed my mind, got me back on the right path, changed my, my heart, changed my thinking, changed, changed my future. And so there's something so powerful when we stay connected to the presence of God. We've got to be intentional about this. Now, let me tell you what that looks like for me, okay? On, on a regular basis, how I have to live this out, lest we just have an inspirational moment here in church this morning. This is what it looks like for me. When I begin to feel the self-doubt creeping up, right? We're talking about the things that cause us to lose our freedom. When, when, when the enemy, when I'm experiencing temptation and the lies of the enemy, and sometimes I'm dealing with, with fear and I'm feeling less than, and I can't do what God's called me to, to do or be the husband he's called me to be, the father he's called me to be. That's when I know it's time for me to get out and go on a prayer walk. That's what I do. I get on a prayer walk. I get out and I put my AirPods in. Sometimes I put some worship music on. Sometimes I listen to the, the Bible and I get out and pray. So if you ever see me in a park and you're like, look at Pastor Jeremy talking to himself. No, no, no. It's me and Jesus and the birds and the squirrels. Leave me alone because I'm talking to Jesus. 
There's a bunch of people over at Rockefeller State Preserve in my house who think I'm crazy. That guy's always out there talking to himself. He's got multiple personality disorder. No, 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 no. That is, I got to get out and, and go on my prayer walk and talk to Jesus. But I, I, let me just tell you, there's been so many moments where I've experienced just the freedom of God. Like, that's exactly what I need to do. And I, so I've had to learn. I had to recognize the signals, right? The, the alarms that are going off. It's like, hey, it's time to drop what you're doing and get out and go get into the presence of God. And it has, it has brought me into times of freedom. It has brought me into a place of experience, the freedom of God. So some practical applications for you to stay connected to God's presence. Well, number one, you're doing one of them this morning. You showed up for church. Go ahead and give yourself a hand this morning. You gathered together in the presence of God. And it's so powerful. Like, don't underestimate it. Jesus said, right, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in your midst. That's, that's powerful. I mean, the one who can set you free is here when we gather and worship together. And so this, is, this isn't optional. This is oxygen. We got to be together. We got to get into the presence of God together. But don't let it just be a Sunday morning thing. Bring this into your week. And so you can put some worship music on around the house. You can put some AirPods in. Come on, one of the best things you can do is just put in noise cancellation mode. Hallelujah. Just cancel out the noise of the world and get tuned into worship. It'll shift the atmosphere in your home. You ever just have negative vibes all up in your house? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know you don't have a real family and a real life and three kids and a mortgage like me because every now and then we just got negative vibes and I just need to put some AirPods in, tune it out and go do the dishes and listen to some worship music. Plus, doing the dishes gets me some bonus points with my wife. Amen, somebody. It'll shift the atmosphere in your life. It'll shift the atmosphere in your home. If you're married, it'll shift the atmosphere in your, in your marriage. Here's the other thing. Uh, I want to encourage you, get, get, a reading, get a reading plan. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, get it. Because I know some of you are like, well, Pastor Jeremy, who are you talking about the word of God and replacing the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word, but I don't really know how to read the Bible. That, that's okay. We're all, we all got to start somewhere. Get, get the YouVersion Bible app. There's, there's reading plans on there. You can literally search a topic that you want to, if you don't like reading your Bible, it'll read to you. It's amazing. You just put it on, it'll read to you. You could probably get it in like a really good British accent or something. It's awesome. It's soothing. Here's the second thing, number two. <laughs> We're talking about the things that we need to connect to that help us to walk in freedom, to live in freedom. Number two is this, stay connected to God's people. Not just his presence, but his people. Stay connected to God's people. We, we need spiritual relationships. We need community. We need a church family. Look at what the writer of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes said, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12. He says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Look at verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Come on, how many of you know you need somebody who has your back? Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Got to stay connected to God's people the, the writer here is saying that there is strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. Look at this again in verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. That's what we need, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we need spiritual family. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This got me thinking about, I went on a hike yesterday with a couple of friends from church, a couple of brothers from church, and we went to this place called Storm King Mountain up on the Hudson about an hour from here. And, you know, it was a pretty good hike. And, 
kicked my butt pretty good at a few times, but, you know, we got out, we we're having a good time, but we were kind of looking out for each other just naturally, you know? There was a few slippery spots where there was some wet leaves, and I was like, hey, guys, be careful. It's a little slippery here. And I remember one time kind of reaching out and helping my son Aaron kind of climb up over some rocks, and somebody did the same thing for me at one point. And toward the end of the hike when my legs were getting jello, Brian was walking behind me. I could tell he was just watching out for his pastor, like, I'm not letting the pastor fall down the cliff on my watch, you know? Thank you, Brian. But we were just kind of naturally looking out for each other because if you got somebody in your corner and you fall, you're going to be okay. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. See, if I was out there and I drifted off the trail and got lost and I fell down and hurt myself, I might still be stuck out there right now. Y'all be like, where's Pastor Jeremy at? It's Sunday morning and I'm out there fighting frostbite, you know, like getting attacked by wild animals. Skinny white boy that I am, they may still try to just eat me free, free meal, you know. But if I have somebody in my corner, they can help pick me up. Are you with me? Like, this is such a strong visual picture here. So we have to be intentional about community. We've got to be intentional about relationships. The enemy wants to get us isolated so that he can pick us off. But, but there's strength in numbers. There's strength in relationships. A cord of three strands is not easily broken, right? There's strength in, in, that we find in other brothers and sisters in, in Christ. See, sometimes the temptation is to isolate yourself. Many times when we're when we're struggling with temptation or we've given in to temptation and we feel the guilt of sin or we're battling with those things that we're talking about that, that tend to kind of cause us to drift toward losing our freedom. Many of us are tempted to kind of isolate at that time and kind of pull away from everybody. But let me just encourage you, that, that is the exact time to run to a brother or sister in Christ. That is the exact time to get on your phone and text somebody and say, hey, can you pray for me? Hey, can we connect? Hey, do you have any good scriptures on this topic that I'm, I'm dealing with? Like that is the time when we need to run to each other because the lie of the enemy is that we can do this alone, that we can do this by, by ourselves. No, no we, need, we need community. We need each other. This is why God came up with the, uh, this whole idea of the church, the, the family, the body of Christ. And the reality is we need community to experience healing. Let me show you a scripture, James chapter 5 Verse 16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we know that we can go to God, we can confess our sins to God to experience forgiveness. We, we know that's true. You actually don't have to go to any person. You don't have to go to a priest to confess your sins to be forgiven. You can go straight to God. That's powerful. We confess to God to be forgiven. But Paul, I mean, James tells us that we confess to each other to experience healing. It's powerful. Can, can, let me just help you. Let me, let me help you get this in your head, okay? Because some of you, when you think about confession, especially if you came from like a Catholic background, that's like your only frame of reference. Let me just help you today to see something really powerful. Do you know that as followers of Jesus, okay, the scripture says that we're actually a royal priesthood. Let me tell you, that means we represent God. Here's something we can actually do for each other. When there's another believer and you know they've already confessed their sins to Christ, do you know that you can look them in the eye and pronounce over them, you are forgiven in Jesus' name? Did you know you can do that? Come on, can I just anoint you and appoint you to do that? Uh, it's not that you forgave them. They've gone to God and asked them. But how many of you know How many of you know that would bless you? That would encourage you to have another believer look you in the eye and say, come on, I want you to know you are forgiven. You've gone to God. You can trust him. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. You know what James tells us? That actually brings healing to your soul. That actually brings healing to your heart. We go to Father God for forgiveness. We confess to each other for healing. And so, 
This is why, and you can't do that if you're not in a relationship, okay? The reality is you don't have to tell everybody, but you'd have to tell somebody. You need somebody in your life. It's wonderful to stare at the back of each other's heads on Sunday morning. I'm sure the back of your head is really nice, but at some point in time, you need to get into a face-to-face relationship with another believer in your life who can pray for you, who can encourage you, who can hold you accountable, and you can do that for them. And this is why we encourage everybody to get into a life group. Many of you have been going through this series together and practicing these principles and praying for each other and doing some confession, right? And sharing testimonies in life groups the past few weeks. Maybe you're newer to our church and you've heard us talk about that and you've never been signed up for a life group or maybe you're a little apprehensive. I know it can be a little bit nerve wracking to go to a life group for the first time. And you might wonder, you might be tempted to think, well, what if I go to a group like that and I were to share something and I were to open up, like how would people see me? How would people look at me? Would, would, they, would, they, would they judge me? What will people think if I open up? I know that's a thought that many of you have, and there's probably the temptation to believe. The enemy wants you to believe that people are going to look at you and think something awful of you. Here's the reality. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say 99% of the time, you get into a life group and you get in relationships with other believers. When you share what you're going through or what you're wrestling with or that temptation, most people are going to respond, I know how you feel. I've been there before. In fact, you might even find that somebody in your group says, I'm wrestling with that very thing myself. Or God brought me through a time like that. And they might even encourage you. They may say, hey, let me just pray for you. I'm going to be praying for you because here's what I know. God brought me through that. And if he did it for me, I know he'll do it for you. That's what you're going to find. The enemy wants us to believe. He wants to isolate us. He wants to isolate us in our thoughts. He wants to isolate us in our guilt. He wants us to think that we're the only person dealing with that thing. Let me just tell you, the scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. I pray for people all the time. If you confess, if you come to me and, and, and confess some sin or some temptation or something in your life or something you did at some point in time, I'm probably not going to be surprised. I mean, you know, growing up in church my whole life, years in the ministry, 15 years in ministry, like it's probably not going to surprise me. I mean, if you confess to like a triple murder that you made look like an accident, maybe, maybe, like, well, okay, I didn't see that coming from you. I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see that coming. But for the most part, right? There's a, there's a quote from one of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson. He said, I'm no longer surprised by people's sins. I'm surprised by those who have the courage to confess them. And that's what, you want to know what's going through my head? If somebody confesses something to me, I think, wow, this person is courageous. I admire them. And here's the other thing. I think this person's going to walk in freedom. This person's going to get healed because they're putting scripture into practice and they're stepping over the lie of the enemy that says, when I confess, somebody's going to judge me and they're stepping into healing. That's what I'm thinking, what's going through my mind. But you can't do that without community. You can't do that without God's people. Here's the third thing, number three. We're talking about staying connected to the things that lead us to walking in freedom. We don't want to get to the end of this series and say, what a wonderful, inspirational six weeks we had. We want to learn how to walk this out. We want to live in freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Here's the third thing. Number, number three is stay connected to God's process. Come on, everybody say process. Process, process, his presence, his people, his process. Speaking of process, let me show you a scripture. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He said this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
Here's what Paul's talking about. He's writing to the Philippians, and I believe under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for you and me today. He says, when you placed your faith in Jesus, God began a good work in you. He started a work in you, and it's not going to be complete until the day that Jesus returns or the day that you die and you stand before him. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, you know what that tells me? That tells me that, that we're all works in progress. Come on, that every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a work in progress. You are in process. You're in process. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in process. I'm in process. Help me out here. I'm in process. You're in process. I'm in process. And the person sitting next to you is thinking, I knew you were in process a long time ago. I could have told you that. Come on. All the married people, like if it was your spouse, like I could have told you, you were in process a long time ago. We're all in process. We're all works in progress. Yes, there are breakthrough moments when God will reach down and touch us and change everything. I think point number one is true. I'm not changing everything I said in point number one. I believe there are times when you can get into the presence of God where he can give you a breakthrough moment. But here's what I've discovered. Most often, experiencing freedom is a process by which God is working in your life every day, every year over time. Can I say that again to help encourage somebody who's been discouraged in this place? There are breakthrough moments that come in the presence of God. I've experienced those. I thank God for those, okay? But here's what happens most often. God is working in our lives over time, one day at a time by his grace. In fact, we have a fancy theological term for it. It's called sanctification. You know what sanctification is? It's the process by, by which you're being conformed into the image of Jesus over time. You're being made into, into the image of Jesus. Come on, your salvation isn't, isn't just something that happened. It, it sets something into motion. When you place your faith in him, it sets something in, in, into motion. And so you have to understand it's often a process. Now, let me give you an example of process, okay? One of the things we've talked about in this series uh, where we can kind of get clogged up and lose our freedom is, is in the area of forgiveness. We want our hearts to be open to forgive people. Well, I discovered years ago that forgiveness is often a process. The first time I ever discovered this was when I was hurt deeply by somebody that I loved, by I admired. And I've shared this, this story before. But what I learned in that moment was it wasn't just a forgive and forget, rub some dirt on it kind of thing, and I'm going to be okay. I learned I had to keep forgiving that person. I couldn't just forgive them once. Every time I thought about that person and all of those toxic feelings came up, I knew I had to keep forgiving them. I had to keep praying for them. I had to keep asking God to help me release that hurt. And I learned it was a process of a couple of years. Now, in this particular situation, I actually still had a relationship with the person, so I kept meeting with them. It may not be the case for you. It may not be the, something you're able to do or safe to do, but I was able to meet with this person and kind of rehearse loving them. And, and you know, I got to kind of work out their the forgiveness. But here's what I discovered. After a couple years, the hurt began to melt away, and what was left was the love that I had for that person. What was left was the good memories. Because how many of you know human relationships are complicated? Usually there's some, there's some hurt and there's some pain and there's some joy all mixed in between there. How many of you discovered that? that a, lot, a lot of times, we, we like to kind of think of people in one category or the other, but usually if we're honest and we give them some credit, there were some good times and some bad times. And what happened is, over time, God began to do a work of healing in my heart, and I was able to forgive that person so that when I think of them now, there's no pain there at all, but I learned that forgiveness is a process. It's a process. And so I want to give you a few practical applications, okay, because we can participate in this. We can participate in this, this process. So on our website, redemptioncommunitychurch.org, if you scroll down on the homepage, uh, we have some freedom resources. We've been talking about these every week. But I want to point you there because we're in process, and so there are some practical things that we can do to cooperate with God's work in our lives. The first one is you might need to get some Christian counseling. 
Maybe that's something you need. You know, we believe in that around here. Amy and I have invested in our, our marriage and our emotional well-being over the years by, by getting into, into Christian counseling. And so I know for some of you, there's a little bit of a stigma around that, like counseling, that's for really messed up people. Well, if you signed up for the gym and got a gym membership, if I came up to you and like, what's wrong with you? Are you messed up? You'd be like, no, I'm trying to get healthy, right? Well, guess what? Counseling is for people who want to be emotionally healthy, okay? So let's lose the stigma. It's a place you go to get emotionally healthy. And so if you need to get connected to a Christian counselor to deal with some things that are going on in your life, then we will help you do that. Just go to the, go to the resources on, on the website. Maybe um, you need to start a Bible reading plan. There's some reading plans that we have on the, on the website. There's some, some suggestions we'll, we have for you to help you get started. Maybe you need to, to read some Christian books, like you know Google top-rated Christian books on whatever issue it is you're dealing with. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's addictions. Find, find some, some resources. Maybe it's time for you to join a life group. You can do that from the homepage. Maybe you missed it a few weeks ago when we launched a bunch of new groups and you've been kind of, you know, interested in that, but not sure. I want to encourage you. Come on, we can't do this. We can't experience freedom without relationships. And so go to the website. We'll help you. We'll help you get plugged into, into a life group. Maybe you're dealing with addiction. There's some addiction in, in your life. We would love to help you try to find a Christian-based recovery program. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but we can try to point you in the right direction. Maybe you need to get into a, into a support group. Maybe you're struggling with pornography addiction. Get Covenant Eyes. There's a suggestion for you. Covenant Eyes. Google it. Put it on your phone. Put it on your tablets. Put it on your devices. We have that for our kids to, to protect us. you you got to take a step. you got to do something to cooperate with the grace of God in your life. Let's not just be passive. Let's contend for our freedom. It's a process. It's not like we're going to sit back and God's going to do everything. No, no, no. God will work in our lives, but it helps if we cooperate with his Holy Spirit. If we take a few steps toward him, we get active. We get involved in this. Set up some boundaries, some safeguards, get some accountability, have a plan in place. There's one other thing I want to mention to you that you can find on our website. There's a freedom course that we do. It's a nine-week course that you can sign up for on our website. And uh, it's a more robust version of what we've been teaching. Many of the principles we've been teaching this past six weeks come from the freedom course. And what happens in, is it's a group that gets together and uh, we, we watch a video together and we learn, we kind of learn these principles and these, these tools. And then we split up into a group of guys and girls and, and, uh, and we pray for each other and we talk it out and we share stuff and we get vulnerable and we get open and healing happens and people begin to experience freedom. And so for some of you, maybe you need to sign up for that. If you go to our website, you can put your name on the list. We kind of have a waiting list of people because we can only take so many through at a time. But let us know if you're interested in that. We would love to take you through that experience and see God continue to work in your life. So all these resources are on the website. Now, let me say this. I know that sometimes we feel frustrated because we want to be free like yesterday. Anybody ever been there before? Like, yeah, this freedom thing is great, but I wish like God had done that a long time ago in my life. You know, I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been walking it out and like, I thought I'd be free a long, a long time ago. And there's days where we feel like we're never gonna be free. In fact, the enemy wants to lie to you and tell you that, that you aren't gonna be free. He wants to convince us of that. But the reality is that God is at work in your life over time. You need to hear this because sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it feels like I can't see what God is doing. Sometimes it feels like we're always gonna be stuck where we're at. But I wanna encourage you again, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Come on, God is the one who began a good work in you. It is not your work, it's his his work. Yes, we cooperate with it, but he initiated it. And he's the one who'll be faithful to complete it until the day you stand before him as a finished work. 
He'll be faithful to complete it. Don't believe the lie that it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to give in to that temptation. I'm always going to struggle with this addiction. My marriage is always going to be this way. I'm always going to struggle with these negative thinking patterns. I'm always going to be bound up by this fear. No, no, I believe God is at work in your life one day at a time by his grace. And I want to encourage you, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up because one day you're going to look back and you're going to begin to see where God set you free. Little by little, he's been working in your life. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. I've seen it in my own life. So Amy and I, we went through this freedom course with a group of pastors almost two years ago, probably longer than that now. And, and we've gone through it a few times now, leading others through this course. And, and, and of course, we journal. We write things down. And I want to encourage you today because I was going back in my journal and reading things that I wrote about two years ago, things I was str- struggling with temptation-wise, lies that I was battling with, fears that I was battling with, things that were happening in my marriage that were broken. And here's what I begin to realize. Little by little, God has been working in my life. It didn't happen in one moment where he zapped me, but over time, day by day, by his grace, I've experienced freedom. I'm not dealing with all the same things I was dealing with before. I've seen his work in my life. And here's the reality. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Do it for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in to the lie of the enemy that tells you things are always going to be this way. Let's live in the freedom that Jesus gave his life for. Come on, let's, let's learn to prioritize the presence of God. When, when those alarm bells start going off, when we find ourselves starting to drift back toward the things that, that aren't healthy, the things that cause us to go backwards, let, let's, let's recognize now it's time to get into the presence of God. Let's prioritize some, some relationships with God's people, some other brothers and sisters in Christ in our lives. And let's submit to the process. Let's submit to the process. When the enemy wants to come along and convince you that you're not making any progress at all, that you should have been further along a long time ago. No, we're going to remember one day at a time by his grace. He's working in my life. His hand is upon me. And I'm going to be confident of this. Not that I'm a good person. Not that I'm motivated. Not that I can practice positive psychology. No, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Jesus is declaring freedom over your life today. Come on, he's not just the one who came to set to, to forgive you of your sins. He's the one who came to set you free. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, but he didn't leave it there. He said to, to set free, to set the prisoners free, to declare freedom, liberty for the oppressed. He's declaring freedom over your life today. Would you just open your heart to it? Bow your head. Maybe you want to lift your hands. If that's new to you, it's just a symbol of surrender. We read in the scriptures that the people lifted holy hands. We're just going to open our hearts, lift our hands today. Say, God, we want everything that you have for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that it's for freedom that you've set us free. God, we don't want to settle for anything less than the best that you have for us, God. We don't want to settle for anything less than the freedom that you gave your life for. We want to live in it. We want it to shape our identity. We want it to shape our thinking. We want it to shape our feelings, to shape our hearts and our relationships. And so today, God, we are, we are declaring your freedom today. We are trusting in your work over our lives today. Father, I pray that you would remind us to get into your presence, to stay connected to your presence and not to go backwards into the things that take us away from you, to lean into our 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 relationships and to submit to the process, to know that, God, you are at work 
in our lives, one day at a time, by your grace. Confident that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Father, I declare freedom over your people, over their hearts, over their minds, over their relationships, over marriages and families and every situation in this place, Father. And we thank you that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. If you believe that, if you receive it, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.